Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Sermons podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.crossroadstw.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Amen. Everybody good? That was some great worship right there. Thank you, worship team. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll tell you what, man, it takes a lot to get up here and sing, and, uh, but once you just realize how good God has been, it, don't take, it doesn't take long. I mean, really, it doesn't take long. So some of us would say, man, I just don't like to sing. Well, um, you hadn't really experienced the love of Jesus Christ then. Amen. So if you experience the love of Jesus Christ, it'll make you sing when you can't sing. Amen. Y'all good with that? So let's have a praise party real quick. I really want to have a praise party. Let's have a praise party. And if you're new here, this is what it means, okay? Uh, if the Lord has done one thing for you, in the last 24 hours, okay, not long, don't take long to think back, right? If he's done one thing for you, I want us all to just to go, hey, look, man, thank you, Jesus. So you can, you can clap your hands, you can hoot, you can holler, um, you can do toe tap, whatever you want to do, that's fine. Um, but let's give him praise. Y'all ready for this? I mean, he's worthy. Some of y'all kind of play church. But he's worthy. One two, three. Come on, church. Come on. Come on, y'all. Come on. Praise party. Praise party. Praise party. Praise party. Praise party. I know Texas and m one. I know, but they, they ain't got nothing on King Jesus. He rose from the grave. He died in your place. He gives you new life. He gives you new purpose and mercy every single day. Come on, y'all. Come on. Come on. You're breathing. All right. We could have just, we could have, for the 40 minutes, we could have just clapped. Amen. Of how good God's been. Some of y'all are like, man, really? My hands hurt. Too bad. Amen. All right. You better go do some work outside. Get some calluses on there. Amen. So, but anyway, good morning, everybody. Everybody good? Man, let's get going in God's word, man. Matthew um, 19, Matthew 19, verses 3 through 10 is where we're going to park our theological car this morning. And uh, we're going to dive into the text. And uh, before I get going, I want to say thank you for all of our, our staff and those that lead behind the scenes and getting uh, next steps. Last Sunday, getting that all ready, man, it was a very successful uh, afternoon. I mean, again, I think we have like 18 new members uh, join the church, which I'm excited about. Amen. That's really good. Uh, amen. Amen, guys. Come on, y'all. People can be leaving, but they're coming. Amen. That's good. Amen. I guess I'm the only one that's thankful for that. Amen. In my own prayer life. Lord, thank you. Next steps, but also um, serve the city. That was uh, yesterday. It was very good. Thank you for those that signed up and and really want to be a part of what God is doing. Something happens when you serve. Again, I'm gonna say this, something happens when you serve. And so um, if you missed uh, yesterday, we're gonna do these twice a year, okay? So we'll do it in the fall and then we'll do it in the spring. And so we're gonna make sure as a church, we are living outside the walls. Those are scheduled times, but we also wanna make sure uh, that we live on mission on a regular basis. So uh, today we're in week two of our series entitled Blueprint. Blueprint, everybody say Blueprint. Blueprint, and this is a very important topic today. This is going to be a heavy one today. Uh, it was so heavy that Pastor Josh, uh, he said, I'm glad I'm not preaching, amen. And so I said, be careful because you might be preaching, amen. So, no, but anyway, but it, uh, it's a very heavy, heavy topic. 
It's one I want to start off by saying as we begin this deal is that um, I'm sensitive to it, but also there's grace. I'm sensitive to it, but the Bible speaks to it. And I realize there may be a lot of pain, a lot of hurt still, a lot of hangups. Some of us, we've even formed our identity as an individual, whether single or even a married couple, based off this particular topic this morning. So you're saying, well, what is it, Pastor? I want to know. Well, it's, it's the topic of divorce. Now, before you tune out, before I see some fidgeting going on, amen, before we get too cray-cray in the house, amen, but let's, there, there are going to be four audiences that we look at this morning. One, divorce audience. So in other words, you've been divorced before, whether biblical grounds or even unbiblical grounds, we're going to deal with this. The text actually speaks to this. The second is those on the brink of divorce. Okay, I wouldn't, uh, we had a lot of families praying in the first hour. It was very beautiful, a lot of tears. I was very, actually, it was very, very cool to see God moving. So maybe on the brink of divorce, maybe here's a third one, and I know this for a fact, impacted by divorce. You've had a close loved one, maybe your parents, maybe grandparents, it just didn't make sense. And then you have this whole, your, your construct of marriage and your view of marriage has been thwarted and kind of messed up. And so now you just kind of go, man, what, what, what do I do? I've been impacted by this dynamic. Or maybe your marriage is healthy. There's a word for you too. So again, I mean, this is, a, this is not an easy one. As I said, I think last week, this is one where it's like fried chicken. Some, some people like fried chicken. It's not a fried chicken message. This is, not, this is worse than cauliflower, okay? It's like prunes, amen, it's prunes, okay? It's straight up prunes right here. So, but the point is this, hear me say this, okay? It's this, the purpose of this morning is not to judge. So, so I mean, the enemy, what he wants to do in this moment is to maybe cause you to start doing this. I'm gonna encourage you right now because we're gonna see a character in the Bible and he came to Jesus kind of like this. I'm gonna challenge you to even do this, this morning. Just kind of let go. Let go. In other words, let the Lord speak to you. Now, here's another dynamic when it comes to divorce. It, there's this idea that it's kind of like if you got divorced, if you've been divorced, there's a stigma with it. Uh, you're kind of like a, a lesser person in society. It's kind of like there's shame, there's guilt. Uh, people don't want to bring it up. There's all these dynamics with, I mean, kind of ostracized. You're in this whole other category. There's all the, I mean, it's kind of crazy how the culture, how we view, and not just the culture, by the way. A lot of times that, that stigma comes from people within the church. Sometimes we can be the most graceless people. So today, Jesus standing, being accused, being uh, tested, being tried, he stands ground and he points people to the text. And so I'm, I'm so excited. And, and by the way, let me just say this. Everybody's talking about, everybody's talking. Everybody's talking about marriage. Everybody's talking about um, uh, what you can do, what you can do. In our culture right now, it's just kind of weird. I'm not getting on no political uh, soapbox. I'm not going to do that. We don't do that here. We're going to stand on the word of God. Let the word, let the word speak to your worldview. Y'all hear me say that? Okay. Don't come here expecting me supporting like one particular person or one, hear some stuff. You ain't going to get that here. Amen. We want to stand on the word. But everybody's talking. Late shows are talking. Man, you know who's really talking? 
those tabloids when you're going and like checking out, H-E-B, Kroger, boy, man, Target, those tabloids, you look, oh, so-and-so getting divorced, oh, man, their marriage going to bring you, you look on this side, oh, snap, and we, we act like we're so surprised by that. The culture is talking. So today, Jesus is going to speak to the culture, and he wants to speak to you and I. So Matthew 19, check this out, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting text. So y'all pray with me, we'll journey. Matthew 19, starting in verse 3, Bible reads in this way, and Pharisees, really crucial, um, plural. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking. Now, it's a group of Pharisees sort of been in their day considered like pastors, leaders within the church, scholars of the law. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, I know I love Jesus. Jesus don't play around. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning? I want you to circle beginning in your, past, in your, in your, um, in your Bibles. From the beginning made them male and female. Let me just say something real quick. I know the culture, again, is trying to redefine everything and speak to stuff. I didn't hit on this last week, but this whole gender dilemma that we're in. People are making themselves into whatever they want to make themselves versus what God, how God has created them. Now I know we're getting sticky. Again, we have to speak to this, church. Y'all called the wrong dude if you thought I wasn't going to speak on this stuff. Not saying there's no real issues. There are real dynamics and emotions and some dynamics taking place there. I'm not saying... But God's design, man and woman. Now, the fact that we have darkened hearts, and we're going to see this in the text, our hearts are hard, hardened by sin, the fallen state of mankind, the fact that they're so dark, they're distant, so we try to come up with our own ways to fulfill things in our own lives. And so now, this is what we see in our culture today. No amens on that one. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. It's like taking two eggs. Bing, bing. I love eggs. We love eggs in our house like religiously. Amen. Pop. How many of y'all are really good? You can pop the egg and just, just one hand. You don't have to do all this. You just like, king, and just do it one hand. Anybody in the house? We have some cool egg droppers in the house. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. It's like the husband and wife are like, no, boy, you don't even cook, right? So... <laughs> Come on, man. Bing, gong, gong. Right? Then the next one, right? You get that whisk. And some of y'all are cold with it, right? You can actually turn the bowl and let, and let the egg get close to the edge. How many of y'all really? That's you? That's you, Rich? Okay. Boom, 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 boom. But here's the dynamic. Here's what Jesus is saying. Leave and cleave become one. Not just in intimacy physically, but, but also one in, in finances, one in future, uh, one with, with families, one in everything. You become infused as one. It's as if you've taken these two eggs is what he's making the point um, here right now in this text. You take the two eggs, you drop them in one. They become one, and I mean, really just, you can't even tell the difference, if you will, in regards to them being mute, um, infused together. Now try to take the two eggs out in their original state. Jesus is saying, you, know, you can't. That's how oneness looks. That's how oneness looks. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and, and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So there are no longer two, but one flesh. What there? 
for God has joined together, let no man separate. They said to him, why then, look at this, notice what they did, look at this, this is crazy. Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? I like how Jesus, it's amazing because they go to Moses, Jesus talks about the beginning. They go to Moses, but Jesus says, oh, no, 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 no. That's why I said circle beginning in your text because Jesus is going to now sandwich their argument with, with, with the beginning. You want to talk about Moses? Okay, cool. Like the writer in Hebrew says, Jesus is greater. Beginning? Oh, yeah, by the way, beginning. Notice this. He says, well, why did, why did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, look at this, because of your hardness of heart. Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But then he goes, but what does he say? But from the beginning, it was what? It was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. I know, I know, I know, guys. This is a hard one. Look at verse 10. This is one that's, if you want to add some humor to this, look at verse 10. The disciple said, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry Y'all see this? Like, I'm not being funny. Y'all see this? I'm, th I'm just thinking, I wonder Jesus kind of looking over going, man, who asked y'all anyway, right? You know what I mean? But here it is. Let's do some exegetical scaffolding. Let's build scaffolding. Let's build scaffolding so we can have a good theological understanding of what Jesus is hitting at in our text today. And then what we're going to do on the back end, we're going to deal with the exegesis with scaffolding. Just want to help y'all see how we're going to work the text this morning. We're going to deal with the text in this manner. Then what we're going to do is we're going to look at the different audiences, the four audiences I mentioned up top. Okay? So a Pharisee comes to him. Now, y'all know this, religious, they knew the word. They had customs. They knew the customs. They knew the practices. They knew all this stuff. They knew every single thing. But here, again, they, these Pharisees came to Jesus like this instead of like this. In other words, they came to Jesus seeking information, but not, nearly, not really coming for transformation. That makes sense? There's a difference there. So they came with a different ill will, and Jesus, he cuts to the chase and gives them the punchline. He says, from the beginning. Now, I want to stay here for a little bit. I did for the first hour. From the beginning, here you have God in the flesh, God in flesh quoting Scripture. You have God in the flesh actually quoting Scripture. And the Scripture that Jesus is quoting is the verse that we dealt with last week in Genesis and here are the implications of what that means in our text. Jesus literally says, hey, look, have you not read? You know this. You're scholars of the word. Have you not read um, that he who created them, man and woman, from the beginning made them male and female? So here's what Jesus is pointing at, that the scriptures is literally the best commentary on the Bible itself. Jesus is letting the word of God define the word of God and also explain the word of God. God in the flesh, you must see this, that this is Jesus. He could have started spitting off anything he wanted to, but literally Jesus in our text, he goes back to Genesis chapter one. There's great significance and importance and implications there. Here they are, write them down if you're ready. One is this, biblical support. Again, here's the reason why they're trying to trap him. I'm gonna let you in on the culture of what was going on in just a little bit. But this is the reason they're trying to test him and trap him. Well, Jesus is saying, no, the Bible support. There's no contradictions in the Bible. So from Genesis, when we talked about in the beginning, made them both male and female from the beginning, and that's not going to change until the end. Well, biblical support. What about this one? That he's God. He's God. But not only that, 
But he also has a right to define, or to define, if you, if you mean, if you will, define marriage, to define marriage. But the rebuttal is interesting. Look at verse 7, and we'll start dealing with the other stuff. It says, well, why did Moses command these things? In other words, Deuteronomy 24, a second given of the law, if you want to look at it this way, or it's like telling your kids, if, best way to remember Deuteronomy is like you tell your kids one time, like, hey, did you get it? Like, okay, cool. Yeah, we got it. Right? And then they come back and they do it again. You're like, did you, did you really get it? Let me tell you all over again. It's kind of that deal. That's how you can look at Deuteronomy, Exodus and Deuteronomy. It's like a retelling of God's law. But they try to trick Jesus. Let me just let you in on historically in the Jewish culture what was going on. Let's build the scaffolding, and then we can land a plane in 2021 on these different audiences. Sadly enough, in Deuteronomy, Jesus hits that. He said, because of the hardness of your heart. Here's what it reads. Deuteronomy 24 and 1 says, when a man takes a wife and marries her, if he finds some indecency in her, he can divorce her. Now, Jesus says, the reason is because of the hardness of your heart. We always want an exit strategy. Mankind, we want an exit strategy. It's almost to the point where there's this element within God. Stay with me here. There's this element of God, and we see it throughout the Bible. You see it in Genesis 6. You see it in this passage right here, uh, Deuteronomy 24. You also see it in Matthew 19, but you also see it in Romans 1. To where God is saying, look, if you don't want me and you don't want my ways, I'm going to give you what you think you want. Students, if you want to just go and do what you want to do and, and, and play with this and, and, and meddle with this, if you want that more than you want me, if you want to worship a house cat rather than worshiping the lion of the tribe of Judah, you go ahead and do that. And if you want this single adult, married person in the room, if you want whatever that may be, if you want that, go and get it. Because why? The Bible says in Romans, he gives them over to a debased mind. So there's a point of God going, you know what? I'm going to let you have it. This is kind of scary. You have to look at your own life. You have to look at um, just our culture and, and in essence where, where God just kind of goes, you know what? They don't, they don't want me. He's not going to pry. He's not going to force. But there's this element, and the Lord says back in Deuteronomy, here's why Moses did it, because your hearts are just extremely hard. There were two key thoughts in the culture during that time. So the rabbis would actually dissect um, the word command and concession. They would, say it, they would articulate it this way. A command, the command of the Lord expressed God's heart, so his moral standard, right? A command, a moral standard. It also showed what God desired from the beginning. We see this in our text this morning. A concession was this, that it was something God allowed because of man's fallen condition. In order to keep peace in a society filled with people at various levels of spiritual maturity. So in other words, it's like saying, hey man, look, if y'all want this, hey, I'm not, again, I'm not going to force y'all. This is what you want, but it hadn't been the way since the beginning. So, but now... Pharisees, knowing this, knowing that rabbis would teach um, this particular difference between um, commandment and concession, there was also two schools of thought when it came to divorce. Rabbi Shammai would say this, if they found the wife unfaithful, he could divorce her. Or, you know what, in our culture today is vice versa. That's conservative. That's where we stand, right? That's what the Bible teaches. But but help me st stay here because I know there's some, some different realities in the room, possibly. 
So the grounds for biblical divorce, sexual morality, and death. You're no longer held responsible. But there are also some gray areas. Anybody know about them gray areas and when it comes to marriage? Kind of like, man, what, 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 man? What should I do? Here's what I mean. If you're getting your head beaten to a pulp in a marriage, hear me say this. I'm going to say this very carefully. And, and by the way, it's not just men beating women. Now there's women beating men. I mean, beating just to where your life is in danger. I believe that God will give us, there's this element of having biblical um, awareness and then using our conscience, tying it with the spirit of God, saying, what's the best thing, even though the text doesn't necessarily um, clearly lay this out, what should my orders of wisdom be? I would say, if that was the husband or the wife, whomever's getting beat, you need a time of separation in that moment. You need to go get some help, some healing, protection. Your life is in danger, whether either one, it doesn't matter. And then the other person that's throwing the, the cast iron skillets. They need a time to where they can have some people pour into their life and get to a place of repentance and get to a place of change of heart, Lord willing, and then actually begin to look different and transformation happens. Then now, y'all come back together. And on the contrary, there are pastors out there that, that have said this. If you, you're in an abusive physical um, relationship, that you stay in there and just keep praying for your husband's heart or wife's heart. I don't, I don't, I don't roll with that one. What about abandonment? I'm going to hang in there. They've been going for 46 years. I'm going to hang in there. 46. Four, six. I'm hanging there. I'm like the prodigal son's father. I'm looking, I'm just waiting for them to come home. You keep waiting. I, th I think it's time to just close the door. Because the grounds, the grounds of infidelity have been, they've, they've, they've compromised the covenant union. They've left. So, one school of thought. Conservative, we hold to the biblical grounds, but then also these other ones, you gotta, you gotta, all right, Lord, by your spirit, help me understand what's going on here. You ready for this one? There's a different rabbi. His name was Rabbi Hillel. He was more progressive. Indecency in his mind meant anything. It's, it's amazing because in culture, you have the solid all the way throughout the beginning. You have a, a biblical view, then this crazy loose view. This rabbi actually began to teach that indecency meant anything you didn't like about her. Brothers laughing like a mug, right? Can we have fun with this one a little bit? Indecent behavior, indecent cooking skills. See, some of y'all would have made y'all would have been married seven months. You'd be like, I'm gone, Jack. You know what I mean? I'm gone, right? But but here it is. Here it is. Ready? Indecency and we're like morning breath. Y'all think I'm joking. It was for any, 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 any excuse to give them a way out. I mean, it's like, man, you should make some really good bomb, some bomb grilled cheese, but you've been slipping on the grilled cheese lately. You know what I mean? I'm going to issue a certificate. No, that's not how it works, guys. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. 
And here's the dangerous part. Back in Deuteronomy, this had become the dominant school of thought and practice, and then it began to permeate throughout the years, even during the Maccabean times, the 400 years of silence, and then it grew during Jesus' time. Now, here's the deal. In our context right here, in this particular text, Jesus is getting tested by all this stuff. Why? The Pharisees knew scriptures. The Pharisees knew historical evidence. The Pharisees knew what the culture was like. They were trying to trap him so that Jesus will be considered unpopular in the culture. They didn't want him to be popular in the culture. Matter of fact, they wanted him to actually um, expedite his crucifixion. And let me just say this, in light of this whole divorce and remarried and, and all this, I mean, just hear me say this, Jesus is also on, in route somewhere. He's getting ready to go to Calvary to die for the sins of the world. See, you can't miss that. So it's amazing because John the Baptist, he spoke, he spoke about casual divorce. And what happened to him? They put him in jail, and then later his, his head was literally put on a charger, a charter, and he was ushered into the throne room of heaven. So there's something here, saints. So Jesus, what does he do? He raises the ante. He, he's even stronger than the conservative position. He said, no, these two lives, they become, they, they infused in one. It's not consumer, but it's covenant. Now, I might, mind you, we're going to do some stuff on the back end here in a little bit, and that's going to help unwind some of this stuff. Some of y'all are like, man, because Pastor, you don't know my story. Now, you don't know my story. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've been through. Um, you, you don't know my story. Now, my mom, I know she may be watching, but, you know, hey, look, she was divorced twice. Divorce is one of those things that um, it, it just, it just, it just don't sit well. Like when you hear somebody getting a divorce, it doesn't sit well, doesn't it? I mean, anybody with me on this? And there's a reason it doesn't sit well, because it's not God's design. And innately, I believe we all understand that. So what do we do? This microphone's getting on my nerves. Amen. What do we do? Here's for the divorce audience. So in other words, maybe divorce, and the whole point, again, is not to judge but maybe saying, well, it was legitimate ground. So my wife or husband committed adultery. Um, uh, they died. Okay, those are biblical reasons or grounds, okay? But God's, God's first option is always restoration. Hear me say that. Always. But I believe in this room, possibly, and those watching online, but maybe you've been someone you've, read, you've remarried and you had some, some different um, indecency reasons, I didn't like the fact that she rolled her socks up. I didn't like the fact that she never put gas in the car. I don't like the Whatever the case, and you just said, I'm done. I don't like the way she looks anymore. I'm done. That's not an option. And I'm going to say this, as I told the first hour, if that's you, and you have not, you have not literally um, remarried or gotten remarried on the right reasons or for the right reasons, you are living in sin. Here's the tension. I see it. I see it. People looking around. Here's the tension. But here's the good part. You ready? Jesus was en route going somewhere. He was getting ready to die for the sins of the world. We can't miss this. He's getting ready to die literally for your hangups and my hangups, for your setbacks and, and my setbacks. He was getting ready to die um, the, the actual death 
for all sins, past, present, and even future, and satisfying the, the Father's wrath 100%. So you must say, well, even if I did remarry or got divorced for some indecent, wrong ways, here's the, where's, here's the bomb that's going to drop this morning as Jesus in this text is going to challenge these guys and get in a theological ring with them and tell them, look, you can't outwit me. Why? Because from the beginning, this is how it is. And by the way, from the beginning, I already had a plan to speak towards every single season, every single mess, every single dynamic in the life of my children. And I want you to know that even in this matter, God's grace is sufficient. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Studying this deal, I was like trying to wrestle with it. I was like, man, is it? Even, even how the culture has viewed divorce, it began to, I, I saw remnants and residue even in my own mind. So here's what I'm saying. If, for any other reason than biblical reasons, what you need to do right now, today, is acknowledge, confess, and repent. Right now, right, literally. I realize that, Lord, based on your text, this is your way. This is from the beginning. You are your God, and there's biblical support. And for, the, for that matter, I mean, I mean you, can, you can define what marriage really is. I can't try to redefine it. The hardness of my heart desires to do so. But if that's the case, let me just see. If there's conviction, that's a good thing. That's the spirit of God. If there's condemnation, that's the enemy. He wants to condemn. But since I'm a child of God, I realize that conviction comes from you. And since that's the case, you convict me, one, to let me know that I belong to you, that's a good thing, but then two, you desire for me to look more like your son. Well, if that's you, you just say, look, man, that's me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to acknowledge it. I see it. Confess. I'm going to repent. Now, this is not a green light, though, to just do what you want, though. It's not like a green light to just, you know, hey, I'm, I'm yeah, woo. I'm just going to live it up. Live it up. Mm-mm. Romans 6 declares that. Paul says, by no means, and the Greek is one, it's a crazy word, but it's, it's actually the closest word to, to cussing that Paul gets to. In other words, Paul was saying, you've lost your theological mind. To think that you can manipulate God's grace. We're going to talk about two, two words here in just a little bit, but hang on. So, but you say, Marcus, well, show me some more biblical support. Look at King David. King David. Psalm 51, he declares, he gets to this point of acknowledgement. He gets to this place of confession and then repentance. You, you see this in the Psalm, Psalm 51. Some scholars will say this. They said if, if had David started with a posture of Psalm 51, he wouldn't have did the dirt back in the day. And let me just say this. All of us, it doesn't matter. You give us the right time. Our flesh, here's what, here's what the, the hardness of the heart, what Jesus is hitting at. I think a lot of times we think we are exempt. Give every single one of us the right opportunity, the right moment, and the right weakness. We'll all, we'll all slip up. Like, like if you think your flesh, you, you, that's, the enemy is like perfect. I got you. So, you look at King David. What about the woman at the well? Mm. Five marriages. Jesus comes to her first. That's crazy grace. Y'all see that? Isn't that cool? She straight up had a men's ministry. <laughs> Bessie, don't be laughing. 
But Jesus, knowing her, didn't ostracize her, didn't cast her out. He comes right to her. So hear me say this, saints. If you're in the room this morning, if you're online, you need to hear me say this. There's grace for your misery. Well, then what about those on the brink of divorce in this room? The Bible says, hold fast. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife or spouse, right? Hold fast, hold fast, hold fast. So hold fast. Don't, don't, don't listen to the culture. Allow the gospel to be the louder megaphone in this dynamic and situation. So what happens is when we allow the gospel to speak louder, the implications of the gospel will begin to trickle down and begin to um, bear fruit in our marriages. Now, all marriages, again, this is not talking about perfection. We're talking about progress here. So there's two Greek words for power. Dunamis, we always hear that one. Or we get our English word dynamite. Boom! I was that kid that loved back 4th of July back in the day, getting cherry bombs and stuff like that. And be like, and see what they blow up, right? All of them just, I loved it. Just boom, explosions, right? Loved it. Boom! Dunamis. Boom! That's the, that's the Greek term. But there's another term that Paul uses in Ephesians chapter 6. In the context, by the way, of um, spiritual warfare. The other word is, not dunamis, but he used the word exousia. Stay with me here. You got to see this because you say, I'm going to bring a divorce. What does these two words have to do with anything? Well, you have dynamite power. Well, the blood of Jesus is sufficient, right? You must see yourself based now as a son and daughter of the Lord most high. I'm a sinner first and I'm sinned against second. But then also you must understand that the tomb is empty. You have dunamis power, but not just dynamite power. You also have the authority to use the power. As a son, as a daughter, as a child of God, you have the authority. God has given it to you to be able to use that dunamis power right in the context of your marriage if you're on the brink of it. Stay in there, hold fast. You have power. What about impacted? Many of us were still walking around with hurts from those that have walked out on maybe, you know, you and another spouse or a family member. Here, I want to say this real quick. I'm going to be on time today. God understands your pain. You look at the cross. I mean, you see these direct correlations. He understands your pain. Look at the cross. God understands pain. But put that pain in his hands. And I'm not saying this, that, you know, this whole lie, we're going to deal with this next week, forgiveness. So y'all think this one's tight. Well, you better be prayed up next week. Amen. Talk about forgiveness. Boy, I tell you what, it's going to be right up in here. Like some good top ramen, amen. I'm joking. I'm joking. So y'all, y'all, y'all got to bear with me, man. Come on, man. Thanks, Dana. Hope that's Jesus calling, amen, whoever that is. <laughs> but the idea is this, is that um, you put that pain in God's hands, and I'm not saying that just let time progress. And time heals all wounds. I'm not saying that. Not, not saying that. Nor is that, is that biblical. That's, but we have to do something with the pain. We can sit on it. We can let pain rot us from the inside out. Or we can start expressing uh, the fruits of the pain in other areas in unhealthy ways. 
or we can put the pain in, in Jesus' hands. And that pain will literally, in time, if we trust him and hold on to him and let the gospel speak to it, that pain can turn into praise. It can turn into praise. So if you've been impacted, stay there. What about healthy? Some of you say, well, this sermon ain't for me. I'm healthy. We good. Look at this. Like, we good. Ain't we good? Ain't we? First Peter 5, 8 says this. Put that on the screen. Be sober-minded. In other words, be clear. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. How often are you watchful? Like, think of these words. Look at, look at the action language used here. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary. How many of y'all know that you have an adversary? I'm just trying to just read the Bible again and just let y'all know, because sometimes we think I'm fighting against my spouse and man, you, you the devil, you know what I mean? Whatever. I mean, that's how, we, that's how we function. But there's a real adversary out there wanting to devour. Uh-oh, what does it say? Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Well, not just, not just that text, but also we see in 1 Corinthians 10. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he falls. And it goes on to say this. This is the part we're really familiar with. Next passage. No temptation is overtaking you. In other words, there are other people going through the same things. No temptation is overtaking you. That is not common to man. God is faithful, comma. In other words, hang there for a little bit. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation... So he's not eradicating temptation, but with the temptation being there, here it is. But with the temptation, he will always or also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now, let me just clarify that. Jesus don't tempt you with anything. So some of you are like, oh, see, I knew the Lord tempted me. No, no, he doesn't tempt you. That's our own flesh, as James would say, and the enemy uses that. And when it gets full birth, it's death. And it's our own craving. Now, also, 2 Peter, I didn't do this one. 2 Peter, let's throw that one up. Is it, we have that one? This one is crazy right here. 2 Peter chapter 1 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Isn't that great? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now keep going. He says, Also, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, Kept in heaven for you. Actually, you know what? That's the wrong. Y'all put, y'all put, that's first. I'm looking for second. Second says this, that he's given us everything for life and godliness. That we may actually partake in his, we may actually partake in his, 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 his beauty. So, you say, what does that have to do with anything today? If you're healthy, you need to be on watch. And you need to pray. Pray for other couples. Pray for the couples. Be watchful and pray. But here's what we're going to do as a church. We're going to wrap it up. Ben, you guys can come up. We, we want to as a church. As Jesus has outlined this, and we want to as a church. This series is um, it's going to get better and better. Amen. So, again, we're going to talk about uh, forgiveness. We're going to talk about communication. We're going to talk about prodigals and then sacrificial love on the back end. Okay? But as a church, we want to be a church full of people that showcase and highlights God's covenantal, his covenantal love. Now, again, that's not perfection. We're not saying that, but some sense of progress.
But in order to do that, we have to invite the Holy Spirit to grant us, to grant us, yes, dunamis, but also exousia, power. Like, guys, y'all believe, do you believe this? This is what you have available to you. This is, this is amazing. Now, we also need to put our yes on the table. But in order for something to actually last, I mean, especially when it comes to from a kingdom perspective and for God's glory, you may be in here, you don't know the Lord. Maybe you're watching online, you don't know Jesus. And so I, wanna, I just want to say this, for your marriage to have kingdom matter, for it to matter, for God to get glory out of it, Man, Jesus needs to be in the center of it. Again, it's not talking about perfection. It's about, hey, Lord, I'm, we're, gonna, we're gonna keep giving you, we're gonna keep giving you our marriage. We're gonna keep giving you our marriage. We're gonna keep giving you our marriage. We want you to be in the center of it. Though it didn't make sense, we're gonna go back to the Bible. What did Jesus do? He started quoting scripture. He applied scripture when he was being tested by Pharisees. He literally quoted scripture. Hopefully in our homes, in our marriages, even in our singleness, I'm gonna talk about that in a little bit, we, we should be a church that sits under the Word of God. Let the Word be the reference point. Let the Bible be the starting point. Let the Bible be our reference point and not be a church that stands over the Word. In other words, we begin to didact it and, and try to have our Thomas Jefferson Bible. Make it say what we want to say. Hopefully that's not the case, but, but here it is. We have to put our yes on the table. And for you, you may say, I don't know Jesus, and I want to, I want to encourage you right now. Just between you and the Lord, because then you have to ask yourself, man, I'm loving, I'm loving them, my spouse, maybe um, my wife, my husband, it doesn't matter. But, but again, there's typically going to be some, and I'm not saying it's perfect even with, with Christian marriages. But that spirit of conviction is really good, man. Spirit of conviction, also my wife let me know, amen. So that's, that's the, we got two, amen. Come on, come on, come on. Y'all know that. Man, he helped me, man, she helped me behold his ways. That's not a, that's not a knock way, that's in a good way. If I'm getting too high on my britches, you say, look, homeboy, come on down. But if you don't know Jesus, you need to say, hey, look, Lord, I realize that I'm a sinner. You have to acknowledge that first. I realize there's some stuff off in me. I believe that Jesus came and lived the perfect life. He lived the life that I was supposed to live, and he died the death that I was supposed to die. Jesus, you just didn't die for me. You died instead of me. That I may have life abundantly now. Would you come into my heart this morning and wreck shop for your glory? Will you change me? Will you, will you transform me? Save me? Yes, from sin. Yeah, the power of sin. We're still going to struggle. But the power of sin. Freed. From shame and guilt for there's no condemnation. But Lord, I also realize that we have an enemy, and so Lord, it's not gonna be easy. Thinking that your spirit will reside in me and I'm sealed in your spirit. He comes to live inside of me, thank you for that. Now Lord, help me to live for you for the rest of my days on this earth. For the rest of us. Here's what we're going to do. Mandy, you want to come up? Here's what we want to do. For the married in the room, 
I want you to grab your spouse's hand. Come on, the power of touch. Grab your spouse's hand. You may say, well, my spouse is not here. Maybe, maybe, uh, you know, maybe they've gone on. Maybe you're divorced. I don't know. I, I, but here's what I want you to do. If that's you, I want you to lift your hands towards heaven. Just come on. Come on right now. Like if your spouse is not here, they've gone on. If you No, if you're, if you're married, just hold on to your spouse's hand. Okay, let's get some clarity here. Hey, my spouse people like, all type of stuff going on. We have just start doing a wave. Amen. Let's make it happen. Listen to me closely. Spouse not present. That can mean maybe they're just spiritually immature. They're at home right now. And you're here leading one to uh, a godly family, a godly marriage or whatever, and they're at home. Or maybe your spouse have died and gone on. This is what I mean. This particular audience, I want you to raise your hands towards heaven. Lift your hands. Come on. The first hour, no, 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 not, not married already. Okay, brothers, y'all struggling with this. Mm, Holy Spirit, help us. If you're single, I want you to do this. Hold on, sweet pie. If you're single, put your hands together and begin to say, look, I'm going to pray this for my future spouse if it's God's will. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We'll have the prompts up on the screen. We're going to send these out. I had a lot of people saying, man, I want these. We need these. I need to put this. One couple said, she need to put these on her mirror. I said, no, she don't. You do too. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. Humans, boy. But together as a body, let's stand and do this. Okay, y'all ready? And we'll have some pastors down here in a little bit to pray in the back end. But let's do this. Let's do this. We're going to say this and pray this out loud. It's kind of a prayer. It's five prayer prompts. They're going to pop up on the screen. Let's get the first one up there. Come on, y'all ready? It's a great moment. Actually, I'm going to do this. Come on, it's good. Now, we're going to say it together. Now, this is always the hard part. Okay? One, two, three, like say it together. Um, y'all ready? Don't be that one person lagging really way back, okay? Messing up for everybody. Don't be that person. Okay? So, on count of three. Here we go. One, two, three. Lord, help me to live out and embody your covenantal love regardless of how my spouse acts. Mm, isn't that good? Here's the next one. Ready? One, two, three. Lord, help me pursue my spouse daily with intentionality, kindness, and compassion. All right, next one. Lord, help me Demonstrate forgiveness regardless of any wrongs they have committed. Some of y'all are like, look, I'm, I'm letting go of the hand now. Here it is. Lord, help me be selfless in service to my spouse, just as you were with me. All right. Is that it? I think that's it. Oh, one more. Here it is. Last one. Lord, help me remain steadfast to demonstrate these things each and every day. Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have Pastor Josh here. Uh, I'll be here. Um, Rick, come on down as well. Any other Rocky, you in here? Rocky? 
Okay. But we, we want to we wanna be able to pray for you guys, okay? We want to be able to pray and just have a space. We're not saying you got to come confess and do all this. We want to have a space for you to actually come and pray. Again, a part of Crossroads going forward, this is a messy family reunion every single Sunday. We don't have it together. We're not perfect, but we want to have a space where we can at least come and just pray. Hey, Lord, do this, do this, do this in my marriage, okay? So, Lord God, we thank you. Will you move in a mighty way in this moment for your glory, for your namesake. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.